I never thought there'd be something like in a Ryan Reynolds movie that I would be like, wow, like, I wonder, I wonder what that kind of makes me think of instead of thinking if I have a wound in my left lower uh, waistline and I cough, will my body fart? I don't think that's actually medically correct, but it was funny. <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Zeniner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. <laughs> Let's get it. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. More importantly, go leave us a review on Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews are the best way to help us grow the podcast, so we appreciate that. Go do that for us now. Also, don't forget to check out our website, whatsourverdict.com, where you can do all sorts of things and get some merch and all that fun stuff. The question we always ask, if you ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie, to help with that question, each week we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. Today we're reviewing The Adam Project. It was released March 11th, 2022. It was written by Jonathan Topper and T.S. Nowlin. It was directed by Sean Levy, stars Ryan Reynolds, Walker Scobell, Jennifer Garner, Zoe Zaldana, Catherine Keener, and Mark Ruffalo. A time-traveling pilot teams up with his younger self and his late father to come to terms with his past while saving the future. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, now it's time to pause the podcast. Go check this movie out. Come back, pick up where you left off because we're going to spoil the shit out of this thing. Yeah, let's dive into it. I want to start out by saying, because I know we're going to shit on this movie a little bit, and I'm sure we'll praise it in some ways. <laughs> but I want to start out by saying that for a Netflix release, we've watched a few outside of the one, the Immortals one with... Uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, with Charlize Theron. This is one of the better ones. And I don't know if that's because I'm like turning red turned me off so much to like a Ryan Reynolds Netflix drop that I was really concerned about this movie. But overall, it was one of the better straight to Netflix. Well, if you compare this to Red Notice that has Ryan Reynolds in it, yeah. I think this movie is way better than that movie. Sure. Yeah, that's I, Red Notice was so terrible. So I was just like, mm, I don't know how this is going to turn out. But then I actually had fun watching this movie. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's some things that we need to talk about yeah. that weren't great. But I had a good time. And I feel like it was one of these movies that, for me, that at the end, I was like, that's a feel-good movie. That's fun. There's some decent acting in, in it. There's a funny story. Ryan Reynolds was at his best. And that kid, right out the gate, hit Ryan Reynolds' tone. And his like so perfectly. We talked about this, Chuck. He's like, yeah, shut up, Chuck. I'm convinced time travel is real because that is 12 year old Ryan Reynolds, and they just brought him to the future for Dude, this movie. Um, I believe it. Cause that kid was, was fantastic. Kid, that kid's got a future. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, when at the beginning, when he pins him, when that bully pins him against the wall, just like the whole tone. I was like, I had to rewind it because I told Casey, I was like, are you paying attention? Because this little fucker is Ryan Reynolds <laughs> as a child. Like, he, the timing, the tone, it was perfect. I loved it. But so. yeah, JJ, to your point, like this is is a fun, feel-good movie. I think, like, I, I started to watch this yesterday in my day off and then I realized I was, I thought this movie was going to be a little bit different and maybe not something I want to watch with some of my nieces and nephews because it was going to be more crude than not. But then 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, I should just wait to watch this with Tucker and Mia and Taylor. They're all going to find this to be enjoyable. And so I watched it with them last night and it was like, if you just take it from the group consensus, like we laughed, I think it was a feel good of enough story. It gave me kind of that Hollywood style 
ending, which isn't good for like indicative of like a great movie with a plot per se, but for all those things that you go to see a movie for, for the general public, the common folk, as we say, as we're trying to hold ourselves to JJ, as we committed to a couple podcasts ago, this in and of itself for me, it's an entertaining movie at its core. Like I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to pick apart some various things, I'm sure. But in its core, like, yeah, especially for a Netflix movie, I think this is one of the best ones I've seen that came out on streaming. It was good. Yeah. I give credit to Sean Levy for that because yeah. this is the dude who directed Free Guy. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to work with Ryan Reynolds yeah. and turn out a great movie. He also, I think, was on Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And I think he did The Night at Museums as well. He did. So he's got quite the resume. Good so track record. Yeah, I wasn't too worried when I figured out he was involved because I figured it would at least have that entertaining aspect. And it did. It was awesome. I had fun with it. I watched it three times already. Yeah, it's fun. No, he's done some stinkers. Like he did the, the remake of the Pink Panther. He did like the original Cheaper by the Dozen movie, which was pretty terrible. Just Married. That was one that like with the Ashton Kutcher and God, it was terrible. So, I mean, there's he's got some stinkers in there, too. But recently he's done some really good stuff, which so, yeah, it was fun. And, and it, yeah, it was fun. It yeah. I wanted to just make a comment that having just like gone through the house buying process and everything, that house, awesome house. I'm like, I want to Airbnb the shiz out of that place. Like, yeah. it looks amazing. Yeah. It looks so cool. It was really good. Um, was this set up in the Seattle area? Because it said Rainier at one point when they were coming out of some store. And I was wondering, I was like, I would assume it's got to so. be the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It definitely Northwest. looked like it, like for sure to me. But yeah, for me too. I would say at the very least, like Northern, very Northern California at the very least. But I yeah. think it had to have been somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest. But I will say, okay, the couple things I want to shit on real quick. The first one. The only gag, the only thing that I didn't laugh at, like I was really like, really, and I was worried because it was so early on, like when the, he has that bullet wound or he's been shot and it starts farting. Oh, the fart. I was like, that's just not, I mean, I couldn't help myself because I'm a child. So the first time I made the noise, I giggled. And I realized that when I was like 12, I would have been laughing my ass off and that would have been the funniest joke in this movie. So it says something about my I have matured a little bit, just a little bit, not much, no, but a little bit. You still have bit. Bill and Ted humor inside of That's you. That's fair. So. I, I haven't matured. I cracked up so Did much. you really? I'm surprised you didn't laugh. I think I you laughed needed the first someone else time. in the room. I laughed the first time it did it. Like, I was like, okay, that's funny. But then after like the third time, I was like, you wore that shit out. Like, that's too much. It was funny the first time. When he coughed and they like, I was like, <laughs> that was funny. But then, it, yeah, like I said, they did it like three or four times. And I was like, okay, that was, it, you just took it too far. And that's fair. I mean, you have those moments. But to me, they took it too far. And then the other thing I have to shit on is like the de-aging process for Catherine Keener. She looks terrible. The younger version of her, I was like, that's not Catherine Keener. Like, <laughs> that's not what she looked like. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That's just not. Maybe that's her Westworld version, JJ. Maybe. It was it was terrible. So, I, you know, and I realize it's a straight-to-Netflix movie, so your budget's probably limited, but that was pretty bad. Yeah, the, yeah, the problem I had was with Zoe Saldana because she had four years to plan her defenses, and she planted, like, 
a little bit of C4 for the one SUV that they brought. That's fair. I was like, I was getting excited because she had guns, you know, opened up her floorboard. She had guns and she was going to wreck somebody's shit. And then she grabs one and a detonator. And that like, was, I mean, RPG? I could do that in a weekend. Yeah. I knew that a weekend. She had four years. I was expecting, yeah. I was expecting a lot better. more from that. That's fair. I figured they had like, or at least to bring out two more. guns. Like when she yeah. only brought out one, I was like, well, let's at least bring two out. Like, cause you're going to run out of rounds in one of those for sure. And that, that was actually, if Javier was on here, he probably would have commented <laughs> on like the, the firefight. They didn't shoot that many rounds in my opinion, but I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you would have unloaded like a full clip, like immediately kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'll say the opposite side of that though, man, some of that tech was super cool. Like that, boom stick i don't know what the, the shit is that like a modern day or 2050 <laughs> lightsaber in a sense like that looked cooler than a lightsaber in some senses for what it could do it was like putting the force inside of a lightsaber dude that line was one of my favorite he's like is that a lightsaber no and then when he busts it out he goes that is a lightsaber <laughs> like in the middle of this fight he's just like because that would have been me i'd have been like oh you have a lightsaber <laughs> That is so If dope. Disney had made this movie, they would have, like, when he made the double blades come out, they should have played um, yeah. Duel of Fates. Dude, that would have been some next level, like, that would have probably made me rate this movie 0.5 higher for yeah. that. Just that moment. It's like that <laughs> moment in Free Guy when they Disney actually let, after buying Fox, they let him use Cap Shield and the lightsaber like the music plays. I was like, Oh damn, it's too bad. Disney didn't make this movie. Well, that's one of the reasons free guy. Like you think about that part with all the little Marvel stuff that they're, you that took it to the next level at the end. Oh, like, for sure. That, yeah. No. That, that race. One, one question I have, you guys see my, my name, I put time dust. Can someone explain to me why when these people get shot that they disappear? Like they, that was the only thing didn't make any I sense to me. Think of was because they weren't in their yeah. Six point in time so because they didn't belong there you wouldn't get a body because their fixed time is in the future mm -hmm. so uh, that was so like what happens to their time in the future their body just drops dead yeah. not that we need to know that it was just an interesting premise yeah alex on it because the kid's like why did he turn to dust or something and then they he actually addressed it. he goes because they're not this is your yeah. fixed time not theirs but it was just like that quick pass over. And it was really weird after that, like watching it. I mean, it got used to it because that's how they died. But it was, yeah, no, it was a, they could have had like a two second instead of a half a second mm -hmm. <laughs> explanation I, of it. I think one of the problems I have with this movie, it's not a problem. It's just, I know they need, it couldn't be too far ahead in time because he had to go back in time and not be like 60 or 70 years old coming back in time to when he was younger because what are we going to have a Clint Eastwood cry macho type thing where the dude can't even bend over. But my problem with it is that you think about now being 2022 to 2050 and the tech that they had and everything that it was just the suspension of disbelief. Even, I mean, we're talking about time travel. You have to throw it all out the window, but I was like, yeah, like 2050, like, well, we're still trying to figure out VR, like we're, we're <laughs> time travel and these cool planes and soldiers that are fully cloaked in invisibility and then popping out of nowhere and these cool lightsaber boomstick things. It's like, I don't know when Space Odyssey 2001, what did that come out in like the 60s or 70s? And yeah, they said in 2001, that. like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I was like, I don't think we're making that kind of jump in 28 years. Like we're, yeah. we're not going to be there. It is funny though. Like when you, I was thinking about it the other day and there were movies in the years ago where it took place in the future and it was like 2020 and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. 
It's kind of a weird no, thing actually, to watch. One of those, yeah. JJ, one of those is Terminator. Is it? I just watch it. And, and Terminator's like, it's like 2020 or like 2023 or something. And I was That's like, so interesting. I mean, shiz, the way we're going, like, it's not the machines. It's just humans. Yeah, no shit. No shit. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I did enjoy, like, the underlying story of this kid I really liked how they, because it had some poignant messaging to this movie, right? Plus like, one there. Absolutely. Yeah. This movie like, hit that very well. So good. Like the the lessons that it's trying to teach and the fact, especially what really got me was like the little kid taking out his grief on his mom and like the impact that you don't get to see as a kid. Like you think back on it and I was a shithead of a kid. And, you know, you don't think about the fact that of what that does to your parents because they don't show you most of the time, right? They realize that they don't, you don't need that kind of burden if they're good parents, whatnot. Maybe it's, if they're not good, I don't know what the opinion there is, but I thought it was really interesting to have this adult version come back and go, quit being a fuckhead, like to your mom, she's hurting too. And you know, you're being a little dickhead. And then like seeing that regret, like to me, that was, I was like, what a cool thing to actually put in a movie of, you know, he's not just some badass pilot, like there's real regret and he, you're, he's seeing the consequences of going through these life lessons and maybe doing it in not the best way, which most of us, I think, do in some way, shape or form, past trauma, whatever you want to call it. We don't handle it all like champs, right? And so that future consequences that come from those past traumas, I thought they really, really, really did a good job. Oh, think about all the lost sleep I gave my mom and I didn't show up when I said I would and all that stuff and the back talking and some of the things I said, oh yeah, man, you go back and like, maybe just walk away, take some perspective and come back, live the fight another day. But you never, I mean, when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you're just thinking about you. You're thinking about the things that your parents are limiting you to do. And I mean, my mom, for instance, is very conservative and, and definitely put up some roadblocks that I wish she would have been more willing to talk to me about. But at the same time, most of the time when she said like, Hey, I don't want you doing that. My mom is pretty much always, <laughs> she was usually always right. Like would have saved me some serious trouble at the same time. But you, you got to learn those things. But I think, I'll be honest, I didn't think Ryan Reynolds was going to be the person to convey that. Mm-hmm. But that bar scene, he did, I mean, he did good. He had it in him. Like that was like a real non-Ryan Reynolds acting moment of a true emotional depth. And I'll, I'll be honest, I felt it. I was like, he hit it. He did it. Mm-hmm. And that's not something he's known for, but it was inside of him. So for me personally, like I thought he really came to play in this movie. He came as advertised, but then with scenes like that, with the, the emotion, then it kind of took him over the top. So for me, it's probably one of the better movies I've seen him in for the range that he presented besides just his typical jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that kind of these clarity moments also came from the other side, right? You know, the older jaded Ryan Reynolds, you know, essentially blamed his dad for everything that's bad in his life. And he's coming back, not because he really cares about his dad, because he has to. And he he's just completely angry, mad, doesn't want anything to do with his dad, but it's his younger self, which is like, no, you got it all wrong. You've you've changed almost your memories in order to fit this agenda that you want to believe because it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So there's these these kind of different little teaching moments going full circle which was very cool. My opinion is extremely well done because it also didn't dominate the picture and kind of shove it down your throat. It did it in a very nice, subtle way. Yeah. 
when they were playing catch and then they disappeared, they being the younger and older stuff and you, the dad's character turned around, like if, at least for me immediately, I was like, man, like, what do you think about with that? And then what do you, what do you think about the rest of the day when his wife comes home and his son, that's the proper age in that timeline comes home? Like what's going through your mind the rest of that day, the rest of that week leading forward. And it's, it's those types of things that I like when movies present those thought processes that I run through like, man, like how would I fit within that? Like how would I be translating what just happened to me here and and thinking about that? Yeah. I got major field of dreams vibes yep. during that scene. I don't know if either of you guys got that, but I was just waiting for, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Yeah. It's come out on the screen somewhere. I am not going to lie. Like when they, when they got home and he's like, I have an idea and they gets in and grabs the gloves. Like I immediately went, Oh, they're going to have a catch. Like, yeah. and I was like, who says that that way? Except field of dreams. Like you want to have a catch? Like, yeah, like it was, I did too. And I, to kind of build on that, I liked the way that this movie didn't fix the dad problem, right? Like, you don't know. You just know he was in an accident of some sort. And it would have been so easy for Sean Levy to go, well, we're going to bring the dad back and make it the ultimate feel-good, right? Like, he solves that problem. But the fact that they didn't and what the feel-good moment was is that subconscious memory of, being told not to be a dick to your mom in those moments is what, and he comes back and gives her the hug and whatnot before he leaves. Like I really liked how they went there. They didn't try to fix everything and make everything, you know, sunshine and roses. They left the painful parts of the life lessons stuck in a certain kind of way. Well, he was afforded the the ability to do that because he did give us the other Hollywood ending of them, (laughs) of them meeting up. And so I think he was like, well, if we're going with that one, we can't, we can't do two because then my movie will suck. Cause then we would have just totally crapped on this movie. (laughs) That would have been out of way too much. But I think that brings up an interesting premise. I would love to hear from you all is because he did meet up again with his wife and we, we knew when they were walking away down the hall, it looked very indicative of the same scene. I mean, it was basically the same thing that he described. It happened again. I was just want to hear from you all. Do you guys like, is that fate? Is that like they time was pushing him to that moment always. And he was presented with the opportunity to do that. I'm curious about all your, your points. I'll say for me, I obviously I, I believe in God, but I think in, in fate, Terministics. I think there's times in our lives where I believe we have moments that are presented in front of us, whether you believe it's from God or just the universe, whatever, whatever you want to chalk it up to, that there's kind of moments where things come to a head where you're presented with, whether it's a relationship or maybe a job or something with your family where a choice is presented where you're either going to lean into that thing or you're going to lean out of it. But like we do in Gloomhaven, JJ, with like you're presented with a scenario, whether you decide to help that person mm-hmm. or you don't, and then there's a consequence that follows. And I think there's times that these things are interjected. And if you go into it, then you, you kind of branch into a new path of possibilities. But if you don't, then there's going to be something maybe a little bit later that you brush another person in your path. And I think relationships are a lot like that, at least for me. I don't believe in like there's one soulmate for someone, but I think it's it's a time aspect and then a decision aspect of are you going to lean into that? And I thought this movie, that, that premise was interesting because it, it seemed more fatalistic and deterministic that that was always meant to happen. But again, he also didn't have to decide to joke with her, take her down that hallway. He still made that decision. Yeah. That's what that's, this movie got me thinking about a lot at the end. I was like, man, like, I wonder what my, my co-hosts think about that. 
it's kind of a loaded question and it's really like deep it's a philosophical. Question, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. And I, I think two thoughts that I have. So from the movie perspective, I liked the way that it kind of left it ambiguous, especially when they're he's leaving to go back to talk to his dad and she's like, we'll figure it out, you know, whatever. And I think it did a good enough job of portraying the doubt with them both. Like they don't really know that they were saying that to make each other feel better and that hope for the future. And I think the thing that stuck out to me at the end is the fact that these people are these people. And I think that's true in real life. We are who we are and we change, we grow. I thought they took the farting wound joke a little too far where 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I definitely wouldn't have thought that they took it too far. I would have been like, do it again, do it. They should do this the whole fucking movie. You know, I, that's, so we change to certain degrees, but our habits and our preferences and the things that we do tend to be habit. And they're things that we lean towards in all aspects. And, and we kind of go with our, yeah, we are, we're creatures of habit, our comfort zones, right? And so to me, that's where, why that worked. And I, you know, definitely there's that question of fate with this movie, but I also think it's a question of everything played out very similarly. And while everything may not be the same, they still have the same tendencies, which led to the, a similar situation and allowing them to have a very similar meeting and, and grow. And, and there's probably going to be similar aspects to how they do that moving forward. The, with me, though, to kind of go into that deeper level, I am the opposite. I don't anymore believe in a God, per se, with that term. That's a whole nother topic. But I believe in choice very heavily. Like, And it's interesting because I'm a kind of, I don't want to say I'm a make a decision on a whim, but I will very quickly go, is this going to end really badly? Then I won't do it. Does it have the, I guess I should say, does this have the opportunity to end very, very badly? Then I probably won't do it. But if it has the opportunity to just end a little badly, but there's a really big risk reward there, right? Like I'm probably going to lean into that decision. And I find myself more, especially as I'm older, like making decisions to just do things because what do I have to lose versus what do I have to gain? And to me, like making a decision there's so much more to gain than to lose at the end of the day. If it's not going to kill me or really hurt someone else, then I don't see why I wouldn't just give it a whirl. If it doesn't work out, then fuck it. It didn't work out. I know now I've learned a lesson from that. But I, I say that to then talk about Casey. You know, she's on the next episode that you guys can listen to with us. But at the same time, like she is labored by decisions. Like it is hard for her to make any decision because she thinks... 18 steps ahead of every decision she makes. It's exhausting to me when I watch her do that. But it's also, so for me, life is all about choice. And I don't believe that things happen for necessarily someone put us there, like God put us there. I don't believe that because I don't believe in a God. But I do believe that there are linchpins in our lives that are based on decisions. We made one decision. And the fact that you can't go back and change that decision 99% of the time, you have to live with the consequences and then you have to learn and grow and you can either not learn from it and do more things like that, or you learn from it and then progressively get different and better and improve. And to me, that's the the spice of life is decisions and whether they work out well or not is interesting. It's something that if it's a bad decision and it didn't work out well, hopefully you have a decent story you can tell and you learned a good lesson. 
if it worked out really well, you got a great story to tell and you can find different ways to feel that way again. So yeah, that's a, that's a deep philosophical question there. Like, I like that, Matson. Yeah. I mean, I think we could do a whole podcast just about <laughs> philosophy based on that specific question. Yeah. And maybe um, we should just <laughs> it, Maybe we should. I think kind of what I, I like the way they explained it with their fixed points in time or their fixed positions. Typically I don't really like time travel in movies because I'm a man of very little brain and it just goes <laughs> over my head. I subscribe to the Bill and Ted variety of a most excellent time travel. And it just, it's just there because that's what the movie needs. But I did enjoy this kind of fixed point. So what I was looking at is Mark Ruffalo, their dad dying was kind of a fixed point that sets them on this trajectory. And this fixed point is there. Their dad is always going to die in that car crash or whatever it was. And that's the kind of catalyst that sends them down this road to being at the Academy. And then nothing you know, in between there, those decisions aren't necessarily important or they aren't those fixed time decisions. So they can, you know, turn left or turn right and not going to have a major outfit. And then the next fixed point in time is that they meet Zoe Saldana at the Academy. Ryan Reynolds character meets Zoe Saldana at the Academy. And from there is another kind of branch where they're going to go. And, you know, choosing to take her to the class means they're going to get married. Pretending that he's still sleeping with his eyes open <laughs> is going to lead to something else. But the, these fixed moments in time are kind of what govern everything. And the decisions we make within those fixed moments don't matter, don't carry enough weight to change our trajectory that we're going on. I like that. I mean, even me believing in God, like I everything y'all have said, like, I agree with all of it. I think it's just a, a matter of varying perspective. I think, again, it, a lot of it just comes back to, especially if you want good things. I'm a big person. If you want good things to happen in your life, you have to put yourselves in situations to breed those things to come your way. Like some people are like, with the people that say like, oh, God will just bring me this person or thing, this thing to me. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> even if you don't believe it, like, no, if you're not, if you're, if you're not studying for the test, if, if you want a girlfriend and you're not going to social situations or trying to talk to people on the internet, whatever you're trying to do, you're not doing any of that. Guess what? It's not going to happen. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. I don't care if you're going to use the term, I'm super righteous or whatever. Like if you're religious, the people I said, you're like, no, <laughs> it's like the term luck. It, there's what's oh, the phrase behind it? It's like hard work meets persistence. I think I'm a big proponent of that. When I always use the word, the phrase like, "Oh, I was I was luck." Like, there's a lot of a luck involved, but there's a little bit of skill, and a lot of it is just persistence. And I think many things in life from good family relationships to a job to your relationship with whoever your significant other may be things like that. A lot of it is just, you got to be at the right place at the right time. Meaning before that, there's probably a lot of work you've done to get to that point. A lot of decisions as JJ mentioned that you had to make some things that may have been fixed in time that you decided on long ago. So I could talk on this for, but I love movies that present kind of topics like this, like an interstellar is a great example where there's just so many crazy things you could talk about it and go for a drink and, and sit down and just kind of pick your friend's brains. And i never thought there'd be something like in a Ryan Reynolds movie that I would be like, wow, like I wonder, I wonder what that kind of makes me think of instead of thinking if I have a wound in my left lower uh, waistline and I cough, Will my body fart? I don't yeah. think that's actually medically correct, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah. 
I will say too that I kind of touch on something you mentioned, Alec, is I like the way that they address time travel in that they didn't really. Like it was just, yeah, yeah we can were- do it, get over it let's go. And this is how it works. Like there were a couple of moments where they're like, yeah, the fixed moments in time. And then this is your fixed time. So it's, and so I, I really liked that they didn't try to give us a discourse and how this whole thing works. And well, it's hard because with Marvel and everything, you got all these movies now you're comparing like, well, how do they view it? How do they view it? How do they view it? And I even thought about this during this movie and I was like, well, do I like this version more than the Marvel version? And because movies are going to keep doing this. And I think the less you can stay away from explaining it, it's probably better because who the F knows, man? Like mm-hmm. it's just, I don't have a PhD in physics. I don't care. I yeah. just want to watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> just make it entertaining and I'll let go any science that's required. The only, the only movie that did a good job explaining wasn't time travel, but interstellar again with the whole theory of gravity and how it makes you age further in, in because of gravity and some, like if you're closer to a black hole, that's uh, like, once I knew that, that just, that blew me away. That yeah. scene where that guy comes back they're on that water plane and they come back and that guy's been there for, was it 12 years or something crazy like that? And mm-hmm. the, oh man, I'll never forget that scene in cinema. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel for you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting when I know I'm going into a science-based movie that I want to I want to have the science be accurate. Like I, that's like we should mm-hmm. that fucking bullshit we shit on the other day with Moonfall. Fuck Moonfall, that movie sucked balls. <sighs> but like that's the yeah. I mean the science is like they try to talk about science and then they fuck up the science. And I'm like, hold on, don't even no. So that's why I love that ship in like two minutes. And you're like, okay, where did that come from? Or the moon actually hits the earth, but you know, it's, they're both still there. Like, <laughs> yeah, cause that shit works. Yeah. So I like that they didn't take it too seriously with that particular, they just let this movie breathe and it was fun. The other thing that really impressed me is kind of going off what you're talking about, Matson, is the acting was great. And Ryan Reynolds, like you said, he had some moments and he's got some movies. He's kind of sneaky little bastard that you don't know about. Like, and he's got movies that kind of slid under the radar that it, where he plays like, so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Definitely. Maybe very cool movie. You should watch it. It's not a typical Ryan Reynolds style movie. And it's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but it's, it's entertaining and it's cute and it's fun. He's got one called chaos theory. That movie's really fucking weird, but it's a very serious movie in that. And it's kind of, decision-based and it's very interesting. So he's got some out there that are not what you would think. And then of course, most of them are just either action or just stupid comedy, but he's also like, there's one called fireflies in the garden, very serious movie. So I, I love Ryan Reynolds when he actually plays something outside of his typical over the top comedy, especially now because everybody just sees Deadpool, right? Like, and I, I think, yep. well, I love that because I love Deadpool. Don't get me wrong. And I love that the new director of Deadpool is this guy, Sean Levy. He will be directing Deadpool 3. So I love that because they have a great track record. But I also think it's a shame because I don't think it does Ryan Reynolds justice to get stuck in that trap of, oh, he's Deadpool. Well, even watching this at times, I was like, ah, like, I hope they don't fully lean into full Ryan Reynolds because he can get exhausted. Well, he, oh, yeah. he does get exhausting with that style of humor. And I think for him playing a movie more like this, where it's where Deadpool is, is a unique movie because it's meant to be that. And that's what the character is. I think it can work. But outside of a movie like that, 
it's hard. Like they need to continue to stay in like the free guy level. Like you can't exceed that because to me his jokes work, but then I always see him in like a sarcastic manner. I don't need every comment to just be that. And this was one of the more recent movies in free guy as well, to an extent that I felt like they utilized his humor, but there was still enough left of a normal actor to drive a story home. Cause some of the other movies he's in, you're just like, okay, like I just can't do this joke again. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed this movie. I don't know that there's a lot more to talk about. Like I think, and I think it's one of the reasons I love it. It's a simple movie with a complex premise that they simplified to the point that it was just fun to watch and the interaction and the acting and the story was great. So I'm ready to rate it. Are you guys ready to rate it? Yeah, I think we can. All right, let's do I know this I'm thing. the one that throws some deep stuff, but I, I think it's not in the context of this movie anymore. It would just be talking about that. Because so, I, yeah. I think you said it best, JJ. Like, I don't know what much yeah. <laughs> else is to say <laughs> that we haven't already brought up. So yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Cool. All right, Matt, so why don't you kick us off, buddy? I'll go first. Going back to kind of what I said at the beginning of this, JJ and I have been doing this for a couple of years now, and you guys have listened to us a lot. There have been times we have been hypercritical of movies that maybe we should have just tried to remember just watching a movie for a movie. And I think this is a great example of that. This isn't the best thing I've ever seen. Not close in that regard, but is it an entertaining movie? Would I, can I find myself watching this movie again? Yeah, I can't like this movie. I liked enough of the jokes, enough of the, the characters and the plot and some of the deep stuff that it even brings up And watching this with some of my nieces and nephews and Taylor, like, I was entertained. The jokes landed. But the thing that was most surprising that I I just didn't foresee happening was the emotional connection that this movie creates, especially by the end. It really landed for me. It felt sincere. It felt believable. And they touched upon topics in and just kind of human growth in struggling with failure and family relationships and the way that we skew things in our brain that it was real. And I was surprised that Ryan Reynolds was the main conveyor of that, but he did a good job. So Again, there's some other parts of this movie that we've, we've touched upon that don't necessarily make sense. But again, the core of this movie is enjoyable. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. It's a solid movie. I want to watch it again. I probably will watch it again. Uh, I think it was feel good at the end, uh, but it also presented enough of an interesting plot and storyline to kind of um, just keep you entertained throughout. Definitely. All right, Alec. All right. Yeah. I mean, I really had fun with this movie. I attribute most of that to the director, Sean Levy, as I said earlier, things like, you know, young Adam jumping up with the mag thing and then superhero landing is like straight from Deadpool. And then I took the lightsaber as being from free guy, but it wasn't an overbearing connection. And so I really, I really enjoyed that. And then I'm not ashamed at the end where they were having their field of dreams moment. I shed one single man tear <laughs> rolling down a cheek. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, that, that was such a great moment. And I think anybody who grew up playing catch with their dad would feel something in that scenario, especially if your dad is no longer around. I mean, it's moments like that, that kind of connect you. And so this whole movie had its own story, but it also played, you know, paid homage to a slew of other movies in such a way that if you were paying attention, you saw it, but it didn't have to affect the outcome of the movie. So I think it was brilliantly done. I loved it. It's a four for me. I've watched it three times. I will watch it again. It's it's just one of the greatest movies that I think Netflix has ever produced. I love it. 
Sweet. Yeah, I'm right there. I really enjoyed this movie. My favorite part of this movie was the dynamic of these two different versions of the same person. This kid that he's a little upset, but he's he just wants to see his dad again. And then the adult version who's mad at his dad for not being there when he wanted to see him. And so it's just like that comparison and, and having them work together. And it, it just was fun. I'm with you. Alec, I didn't actually shed a man tear, but I really, I like out loud was like, oh shit, when they disappear and you're like, how are they going to do this? Is he going to maybe, because there's still this inkling in the back of my head, knowing movies where I'm like, oh, is he going to survive this? Is it going to change enough that he actually, so then when they cut that he doesn't, I was like, oh, they went with it. I love it. So just the fact that it kept me in anticipation means that they did a really good job with setting the stage and getting me to buy into these characters it was way better than I thought it was going to be. The expectations I had were middling at best because I love Ryan Reynolds almost always. And so I think he makes movies better for me, but this movie was great. I think it could have been done with another good actor and it would have been just as good, uh, different, but just as good. So that to me really stands out, but I, I love the writing. I love the acting. I love the story and the fact that they just had a lot of fun and it, there were some really poignant, topics and then there were some really silly parts so overall really good movie man i'm back and forth i think i'm gonna go three and a half two because the cgi really kind of pulled me out of it at the end with the katherine keener thing because i love katherine keener so that one was really weird as soon as they brought the younger version of her in i was like "Ooh, that's weird i don't like that so that pulled me out but overall great movie i will watch it again because it's fun i think it's something if you just want to be entertained and, and feel good about it. Go watch this movie. So there it is. Pretty high scores for The Adam Project. Yeah, next week, tune in and join us for Turning Red. Should be an interesting conversation and review. Matson, tell everybody where they can find us real quick. Well, common folk, after seeing this heartwarming yet funny movie, hard to do, good balance there. And you can find us on whatsoverdict.com where you can see what's upcoming, as JJ mentioned. Drop us a comment. And then also on social media and on Instagram and Facebook, most especially. Come check us out. Appreciate y'all giving us the listens. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Definitely. Appreciate that. All right. Well, there it is. We appreciate you, as always, tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Cinematic out.